Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing? Pretty good. Doing well. I'm actually uh, on a new mic. We got all new equipment the, uh, the last couple of weeks, so I'm on a whole new system right now, and I'm fucking loving it. Nice. I was wondering why you you sounded a little extra deep and bassy today. Yeah, I've got... Uh, I Before, I was operating on the Blue Yeti, but now... Um, I got one of the actual full-on podcasting mics because we've upgraded a bit. So nice, nice. I'm full-bodied now. Now <laughs> I feel like I'm getting 110%. Steve, there we go. Before I was getting just 100%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm giving that extra oomph. It's funny because, like, when I first I got my Yeti mic that I have now back in like gosh 2017 or something like that, and it's mm-hmm. held up well. But part of me is like, I need to get rid of this. I need to get something better. It's a bulky, bulky boy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they they definitely are. But uh, yeah, we're here to talk Reanimator, uh, also known as the only movie we're ever going to probably cover on Trouble that has a decapitated head eating someone out. So. That is a distinct <laughs> distinction that you can provide this movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, Reanimator, the official summary, and this is one of the weirdest ones I've ever read. Loosely based on H.P. Lovecraft's classic horror tale, Herbert West is a young scientist who has a good head on his shoulders and another on the lab table in front of him. And that's, <laughs> that's what they used to sell this movie. And it's like, wow. it's not wrong, but it's also like, gives no plot description, nothing. It's just... Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit wrong because Herbert West does not necessarily have a good head on his shoulders, in yeah. my opinion. No. He has a head on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a head. Um, yeah, this is uh, this was my pick, and I actually changed it because originally I had like Mimic, and then I'm, I actually rewatched Mimic, and I hated it, and I'm like, okay, I don't, actually, <laughs> I don't actually want to talk about Mimic. No, it's a movie uh, that Guillermo took had taken away from him, as far as I remember. I think so because you could tell like there's the bones of a good movie, and then it just turns to schlock and shit at the end, and it's just not good. So I was like, you know what? I think like last time we recorded, I'm like, you know what? I'm taking out Mimic and putting in Reanimator, <laughs> a movie that I thoroughly love and enjoy, uh, mm-hmm. even if at times it's difficult to watch and it's not. <laughs> Not always the uh, most pleasant movie, let alone a movie you should watch with your partner who maybe doesn't watch horror that much, which I may yeah. have done this time, and it was not a good it's, idea. No, it's grisly. It is such a grisly movie. It, it is unapologetic. It is brash. Um, yeah. But at the same time, even uh, with its roughness, it has like some of the most iconic horror shots ever assembled. Uh, I, I mean, one one shot that I just I, I find incredible is um, when the dean is locked in that containment room or whatever, and he's looking in the in the the glass, and then 
um what's his name um uh david gale's character the who becomes the villain walks up holding his with the body holding his head and stuff and it kind of mirrors each other it's such an incredible shot yeah no this movie i mean it knows it's hp lovecraft and Mm -hmm. embraces it in a way that like we don't have too many Lovecraft movies. I think like the most recent one most people would know of is Color Out of Space. Color Out of Space, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the, the I, I think the interesting thing is the reanimator stories are not stories that Lovecraft even liked himself. They were mm. uh, like a means to an end. He would just like there was like a thirst for them apparently at the time, and so he would get paid five like at the time this was good money, but he would get paid five bucks a story. Yeah. Uh, for these ones, so he would just write it just to earn money, not because he really cared about the substance of them. Yeah, but it's interesting that, like, I think in the context of being an '80s horror movie, Reanimator works so well for that as well. Like, mm-hmm. it in a way you could tell somebody it's not an H.P. Lovecraft uh, story, and it still works very well on its own. Um, obviously you've got like the indelible touch there that you kind of get with it being a Lovecraft story, but Mm -hmm. it's interesting that like, it it still works as its own movie and it still uh, fits into that eighties camp so well. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I just absolutely adore this movie. It's, it's a movie that is, again, I think it's probably a deeper cut for a lot of people than they may think because, I don't think the casual horror movie fan is going to necessarily seek this one out. Um, no, not a casual one, but the ones that are deeply entrenched um, revere it a hundred percent. I have a good friend of mine that used to work at a video store with Lindsay who like, this is her be all end all like die on a hill. Like this is her favorite movie ever. She has like a deep, uh, like well, a deep lady boner for uh, Jeffrey Combs <laughs> and for Herbert West himself. Yeah, uh, I, I mean it's it's this <laughs> this is her sexual fantasy. So yeah, um, there you know there are there are the 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 diehards. You know uh, when you know you know right. If I ever met a woman whose sexual fantasy was this movie, I don't know what I would like how I would process that. I feel like it, it would be like way too much for me to <laughs> no it'd be super intimidating right like <laughs> super intimidating um, you would all, you would have to question all the time if she would prefer you without your head yeah I'd be uh, like mildly attracted but also i have questions am i gonna end up headless <laughs> by the end of this um but uh yeah let's uh, talk about the first time we watched this uh taylor when was the first time you watched this movie I watched this for the podcast. So, oh, wow. yeah, this this definitely is a, a deeper cut, but I've seen the, the title come up on, like, mm-hmm. people's lists, like, just on the internet and things like that. Yeah. But I had never actually gotten around to watching it until, yeah, for the podcast. That's awesome. It was an experience. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I can't, experience. I can't imagine jumping into it now in 2021 and being, like, especially with, with every... Uh, every progression that we've made and and everything that we've called out to uh, look at Reanimator through that lens must be just like holy fuck! What is wrong with this movie? It's, it's definitely an interesting experience because you never quite know who exactly the bad guy is going to turn out to be with no. this yes. one, um, and you're kind of always questioning like, oh, are they bros? Are they friends? Are they mm. enemies? What's going on? I didn't yeah. hate it though. They were obviously yeah that 
one creepy scene, I I just can't. Oh, it just makes me grossed out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, other than that, it was it was kind of a fun ride for what it was. Well, there's no the thing about this this movie is there's no um, there's no holding on to anything. Everything is used as an object, and and, and there's no like longevity to anything. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just it, everything's very divisive in this one um i think the the fact that um uh that dr west and his his serum are the only things that kind of make it out of this thing as like kind of like a broader thing although it's kind of like when you see the end of that movie you're like well how how does <laughs> how do we continue in this one yeah um but even that even herbert west and all that stuff is, is very fleeting stuff because it's basically just a parable on frankenstein Yes. Uh, to a large degree. Well, mm-hmm. it's interesting too. Like this movie has no chill. Like it opens <laughs> with Herbert West and the dead professor. And you're like, okay, this is something you would show me like normally like 30, 40 minutes into your movie. And you're just showing this within like the first five minutes. Like what else you've got? And that's always something I appreciate about this movie. It's like, it just starts bonkers and it doesn't cease up. It just keeps on going. Do you what the name of the that uh, Albert Einstein looking uh, guy that he puts the serum into in the very beginning? Do you know what the guy's name is? Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. <laughs> Which is great. That's so fucking good. And this predates uh this predates Die Hard by three years? Three or four years? Yeah, it's eighty five, so. so yeah, three years. Um <laughs> It's also interesting that we should say there is a connection between this and another body horror movie that has a distinction on this podcast, uh, Society, with uh, yes. Brian Usna. Brian Usna, yes. Um, and it's funny because I just uh, listened to a classic episode of The Movie Crypt. I don't know if you guys have heard of that show. It's uh, Joe Lynch and uh, Adam Green's podcast that they've been yeah. doing for a long time now. And I listened to the full Brian Usna episode uh and uh i mean this is this was recorded before stuart gordon had passed away so they're talking about him more in a present tense and everything but all of the behind the scenes stuff on on reanimator and, and bride uh so fascinating how they they made this movie and how it was a, a lot of it was almost a, a panic or or just like yeah we're just going to do this and how those elements ended up being the things that people celebrate a lot so it's like uh, I, I mean, this was a perfect storm of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what works. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it, it, it should be the template of of uh, just going balls to the wall and seeing what and, and, and seeing audience to respond to it. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, a case where the movie just pushes the envelope and then mm-hmm. is like, let's keep pushing it further. It hasn't burst yet. Like, Let's <laughs> just keep going with this. Yeah. Um, the first time I watched this was, uh, funny enough, the Rio Theater, which I feel like I bring up enough, but like the Rio really is the temple for watching a lot of these older movies in a big screen way. Obviously, now with COVID, like a ton of the movie theaters have been like thinking it's cool and trendy to be like, hey, we'll show Temple of Doom or whatever on the big screen. And you're sure. Like, yeah. But Rio's been doing <laughs> it for far longer than they have. Yeah. And they made their name on it for sure. Yeah. And I just remember it was like October. Uh, we were looking for something to do on a Saturday night. We saw that they were playing this. I had never seen the movie. I got to say, you know, nothing against watching this movie now, but like watch it with a crowd is an experience that I think just 
boost the movie in a, in a way that like no other way you can watch this movie like it to just when like there's particular scenes and like you just get people's reactions like if, if you ever get a chance to watch this in a theater i would definitely implore you to even if you have seen it like the experience of watching it with others is what makes this movie probably going from a good movie to an absolutely great movie um <laughs> but i watched i watched it this time with uh, joe bob briggs he has an episode up on his shutter uh show the last drive-in and um i if i saw i might have mentioned the show before but like if you have a chance to watch any of his stuff it's always a pretty fun time usually they like started off with like behind the scene trivia and like he has like his kill counts and stuff like that and it's always fun to um, to watch so yeah i watched that and uh yeah it was a good old time that uh didn't definitely replicate that theater experience from yeah when i first watched it but close enough uh, what about you, Steve? When did you first watch this movie? I saw this sometime in the '90s uh, because, like, it is one of those um, tentpole um, horror films, uh, especially of the mid '80s. Like, it's the one; it's one that gets brought up all the time. And I, th- I had, I might have talked about it on the show before, but I had this like book of like sci-fi horror stuff that I, I'd gotten at a thrift, a thrift shop, and I was like, kind of like checking everything off. Um, that I yeah. wanted to see out of it, and Reanimator was one of them. Um, but my uh, my parents wouldn't rent it for me, so I had to wait until I was doing like a sleepover at a friend's house, and then his his mom would rent anything that we wanted to watch. So oh, Reanimator yeah. got rented. Um, I think that might have been roughly the first time. Uh, I, I think I might have seen uh, Friedkin's The Guardian at that time as well like a part of that batch as well um yeah there was a bunch of weird shit um but yeah i mean this like like you said before like the behind the scenes and stuff uh, of this one that get that gets brought up and and stuff that i even heard about in that book like this some of the stuff that about this movie is just absolutely wild yeah uh i mean uh, david gale who plays dr hill who's like becomes the villain of the film his wife divorced him over this movie Oh my goodness! It got to that scene, the the one that 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 Taylor alluded to, and she said, "She's like David, how could you?" And she left him. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's a fucking movie, for one. That you know, it's a job. Yeah, like, I mean, come on, lady. Like, I, I mean, this was the mid '80s, and and there was there was no way for people to correctly know how to deal with stigmas like that. I guess, but it's yeah. like the fuck like i can't believe that shit happened and um the one that uh dan's trying to save at the beginning the the lady on the gurney Mm. that uh that that codes on him um she was actually known to be uh a uh quote-unquote dildo aficionado (laughs) and would hide dildos around the set as jokes which is awesome Um, that's fun right yeah. Like I said, like when you le- look into the trivia and the behind the scenes on this shit, it just gets fucking wilder and wilder. Yeah. That's hilarious. No, this is a movie that I think uh is almost more entertaining for behind the scenes than it is the actual movie. Like it's just for sure. it's wild. <laughs> um cool. So we have a couple emails. First is from Mike. He says, Reanimator the story. I think he means like the H.P. Lovecraft story. It was meant to be something of a shocking horror story. And I think the movie lived up to that spirit. Yeah. I think yep. definitely it's shocking. Yeah. Uh, 
it, it's very much meant to shock and give you like pause as to like wait did they actually go that far with it um but again that's part of the fun of the movie i think but i also think that gordon and and even like, like even in the script that he wrote with uh um dennis paoli and uh, william norris they i i feel like they would go for the dark humor more than anything i i mean when you look this movie up on shutter which is where i watched it it's under comedy like yeah. it, it's um i i think that they knew the tendencies that they wanted to go for and um i i i think what it does is it softens some of the 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 the, hor- the horror of it with with like almost slapstick stuff mm-hmm. you know and it's i i think uh it's never going to fully drive away the the creepiness of this movie, especially that cat shit. But I mean, that cat scene when the cat is like on on uh, West's back and everything—that's hilarious. Like yeah. that whole thing's hilarious, yeah. and how he like whips the cat at the wall and it's like Pah! he doesn't see that little like that little like piece come up and stuff. It was like, I mean, can I be honest? Even when uh, the Dan character goes up to the fridge when they first find he's dead and he picks him up and he carries him out of the room, even that seemed a little goofy, that whole scene mm-hmm. to me. It, it kind of, yeah, it kind of takes all of the things in the movie that would be maybe more disturbing and just kind of makes him a little extra goofy. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. I, I think this movie... If you've never watched it for the first time, it's like <laughs> to go through each and every one of the shocking things that happens in it. It's like just keeps going and going and going. And that, that, <laughs> that's what makes this movie so charming for me is like it, it's mm-hmm. not afraid to keep pushing that envelope. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Uh, Alan says, I enjoyed it for what it was. You should check out From Beyond. The main actor is the same from Reanimator. From Beyond, though, is more faithful to the source material, I feel was very well done. I've never seen From Beyond, but I think it's got the same director, doesn't it? Yeah, it's Stuart Gordon. Yeah, yeah. So Stuart Gordon had had an interesting streak in him, in which there would always be. Uh, I I mean, he's largely re- he was largely regarded as a horror filmmaker, but when he went beyond that, I thought he was very fascinating because he did. Uh, I mean, he did some strict sci-fi because he did robot jocks and, and, and a bunch of other stuff uh, from beyond can also be considered a somewhat of a sci-fi as well. Um, and, uh, and then, I mean, he did, he did mammoth, like he did a mammoth adaptation, a movie called Edmund. I think it was like 2004, or 2005 with William H. Macy, mm. um, which is like completely different than anything he did. And then he did like another like dark comedy thriller with Mana Savari and Russell Hornsby called Stuck, in which uh, Mana Savari um, gets in a car accident. She accidentally hits a homeless person that gets uh, goes right through her windshield and gets lodged in there. So she just drives home and and basically keeps him captive still in the windshield uh, in her garage. Uh, yeah, it's a fucking crazy movie, um, and. Because, because I, I mean, he hit such a crescendo with with these movies. Um, those ones get lost in the shuffle, but he was like a widely eclectic filmmaker. Yeah, and I will give him credit too. I mean, yes, horror movies are about the blood and the gore, but also too, there's some you know little sexiness going on in a lot of horror movies. And you know what? I'm gonna say this movie definitely. I mean, it gets very weird in spots, 
but they tried to you know put in a little bit of that too and i'm like okay that to me at least in the 80s was part of like that perfect core package like you get you have mm-hmm. to have the tna but you also have to have some blood and gore as well so uh appreciate that there's that good balance even if yeah there are particular times where i was like okay i think you're, you're maybe <laughs> taking this in the wrong direction but a for effort yeah um, absolutely best line this is gonna be tough because there's a lot of great lines in this movie um yeah uh steve why don't you go first what's your oh favorite? boy um i gotta quote it um uh directly and it's uh, honestly it's jeffrey combs favorite line in the movie too uh it is the uh i'm probably gonna paraphrase it wrong uh it's like who's gonna believe a talking head go get a job in a sideshow he was always he was always because because those sentences almost run together in how he says it and he was uh according to the commentary he was really disappointed that in the delivery of it because people would the audience would laugh at who's going to believe a talking head and then they would never hear get a job in a seat in a sideshow yeah because he says it directly right after yeah i i also like that you killed him he's like no i did not i gave him life yeah that's another great one i put down cat dead details later (laughs) (laughs) i thought that line was so great because it it really showed herbert west as a character like he's not the kind of guy who's going to leave any kind of note and if he does leave a note it's going to be cat's dead details later and that's going to be the extent of it you know i that line went so well like at the time you kind of still weren't sure if he was going to wind up being the bad guy but that line was just a really good one to show just what kind of character he actually was yeah the comedy through ego and 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 stature that because uh, because he's a he's he's supposed to be a, a an unteachable student right at no. this point um and the fact that he already feels like he's beyond anything that anybody can teach him mm-hmm. is is where a lot of his hilarity comes from and mm-hmm. i i think it, it's just such a fascinating way to play it i'm now seeing that there's a that apparently that line cat dead details later it got like turned to like t-shirts and patches and stickers so <laughs> apparently it's a popular line but uh now i'm thinking do i want a patch that literally has a needle going to the back of a cat's head that might get me kicked out it, some places fun fact <laughs> the cat that the first cat you see where uh, barbara crampton uh discovers the cat uh, that was a real dead cat uh, i wouldn't put it past Stuart Gordon. No. <laughs> you got to save money. They, they they had to save money because uh, they this was uh, the amount of money they spent on fake blood was insane. Yeah. So they needed to, to find ways to cut corners. So it yeah. works. <laughs> <laughs> any other uh, favorite lines or any lines that stuck out? I think there were a couple funny ones from the security guard. There was one where right after he sees Dr. Hill, after he comes back to life, he's holding his head in a bag or whatever. He comes down into the morgue and he passes the security guard. And the security guard just looks at him and looks at the magazine he's holding and he goes, break time. And then he gets up and he leaves. And I thought that, I thought there were a lot of really funny comedic moments where the security guard is literally just running away from things that he should be helping Fun fact, according to the the commentary, every time the security guard gets up to leave, he's going to masturbate. Oh, okay. That that yeah. changes things a little bit. I thought yeah. he was just getting out of dodge, but no, he's just going to beat it every oh, time. Okay. 
Um, maybe put down a rank in my favorite character of this movie. <laughs> he was definitely up there before that detail. There is um, so much behind the scenes and 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 reveals and and all this stuff that that Story Garden Brian and Usna have have given over the years that the the lore of of Reanimator is always growing. Yeah, I can definitely understand why more so it's some people's favorite then because I feel like I need to do a deep dive and then rewatch this entire movie to just to fully get like mm-hmm. the story of it, you know. And yeah. I guess I don't know if you guys have seen the sequels if they're worth anything to they're rewatch with this. Fun, one. I think yeah. Bride's fun because um, it's Yuzna the directed um, Bride. Bride is uh, good, yeah. And Beyond's a little. I mean, they're all a bit rough in their own sense. Um, but there's something about Beyond Reanimated that's still kind of fun. I think at that point, like, if you're going to watch two, you might as well watch three. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, at exactly. That, if, if you like the first two, you'll probably, maybe to a lesser degree, enjoy three, but you'll still probably enjoy it. I know for me, three is the roughest, but yeah. I still would, I would still recommend watching all three, even if it's not the most it's not the best made film ever. No. But do you know what I really like about 3 is that that Herbert West is like prison hardened because yeah. he's been in, <laughs> he's been in he's been in jail for over a decade. It's just something that's like just kind of fascinating about that because I I mean Jeffrey Combs is a is an actor that he he is a, an absolute character actor. I mean there are, yeah. he he's he's been multiple characters in Star Trek series and everything. He's uh, I mean, the Frighteners. There's so much that this guy ha- has done over his career that is just fascinating. He's like a fascinating person to watch in his method and everything. But I feel like, obviously, Herbert West is a character that he really, really cares about historically yeah. and everything. So there is always constant nuance to his performance. And even if everything else around him isn't like quite up to snuff in the, in the subsequent two films afterwards, there is still... Uh, he is still the reason to watch the movies alone a hundred percent yeah i i think my problem with beyond is i'm pretty sure it started off as a tv movie and you can kind of tell whereas the other movies i mean yeah they're cheesy and they've got their quirks but they still feel like they have a level of quality where by time you get to beyond reanimator it's like oh this is something that just appeared on sci-fi channel on a random weekend and Bruce um, Abbott's not in it. No, no. It's the only one without uh, Dean uh, Dan Kane. Dean Kane. Um, Dan Kane. But yeah, no, Bride of Reanimator is is pretty good. I think a lot of the cast came back for that one. Uh, Jeffrey Combs, David Gale. I don't think yeah. Barbara Crampton came back though. No, no. Well, see that, and that's the unfortunate thing, right? Especially with the ending of this movie. Um, there's no resolve to that. No, I really liked that ending too. It's I thought such that, a cool I, like, rather than just like leaving it with okay, everything is resolved. It's like nope, I have to bring my girlfriend back from the dead, and it yeah. like ending on that scream. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Well, the descent of uh, of Dan's character, uh, in in into that. Uh, scientific psychoses and then he mixes he mixes that scientific obsession with his own personal love right it's it's yeah. it's a fascinating thing and i think that's what's 
so like that's what could have been so so much greater if 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 they explored that more with Bride of Reanimator, but yeah, um, yeah, I I I guess I can understand why they went into a different direction. They wanted to they wanted to separate, and they I think they wanted to grow the Herbert West lore far more. That was the that was the main drive to the sequels. Yeah. Oh man, they even call the Bride of Reanimator though, and yes. that perfectly ties into the relationship between Dan and Meg in the first movie. Yep. And now she's reanimated, and he's reanimated her. So that I feel like I need to like write a whole new story for Bride of Reanimator <laughs> surrounding like, their relationship instead. Like the the David Gordon Green Halloween retcon type thing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But actually, have the Bride of the Reanimator be Meg. Yeah. Well, I mean, Stuart's dead now, so that's fine. But you would just bum out Brian Usna, probably. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be like, you made society, all right? So. <laughs> yeah, you, you owe us. For You've that. had your fun already. Yeah. You, you kind of gross me for out. Scarring us for life. Um. <laughs> but uh, yeah. All right. Best performance. Uh, I mean. I went with Jeffrey Combs. Um, Definitely. I feel like he he is able to chew the scenery in a way that Bruce Abbott, Barbara Crampton aren't. I would say David Gale is a close second, but more so near the end of the movie. Whereas, yeah, Jeffrey Combs, I think throughout, he just, he toes the line between being a villain and being a protagonist. And you're not entirely sure up until the end that, you know, whether he's a villain or not, which I think goes to show how great of a performance he he gives Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he's like still kind of borderline villain because like he didn't really help anyone out you know he 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 took that dead cat he did whatever he wanted (laughs) he's the catalyst for the whole thing yeah Yeah. because it's his reanimated it's his reanimated body that kills the dean yeah Mm -hmm. which sets the whole thing into motion he's Uh, like not not really a bad guy, not really a good guy. Well, he's, no, he's and an he creates the villain. He yeah. creates the villain. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think right, so. we always think that like antagonist and villain have to be one and the same, but like in this case, I think antagonist is just somebody who's oppositional to the protagonist, which mm-hmm. I would yeah. argue Jeffrey Combs, Herbert West still is. He still is an antagonist, even if he's not really a villain. He's just somebody who you know puts other people at risk through his actions. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to make a little correction here. Uh, the character of Meg Halsey does appear in Bride of uh, Reanimator, but it's more like a cameo okay. type thing. Because uh, Barbara Crampton turned it down because her agent was like, it's beneath you to do this role, this this cameo role. So she didn't come back. Which is kind of funny because like, she's done like a bunch of like horror stuff and like a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that goes like direct to shutter and stuff so i'm like eh, if you've done those you, you could have easily done bright of reanimator but speaking of which has anybody seen jacob's wife yet uh yes no. is it how is it how is it because it's uh what's his name Tra- travis travis stevens y- yeah it was it was fine it was not nearly as what i was expecting it to be um I think it it good ideas maybe not greatest execution. Um it's a little a little tough to swallow some of the writing and some of the cinematography in that movie. But Okay. It it's got some cool ideas. And I think horror fans will probably appreciate it more for that more than anything else. Is his pre- previous film better? The girl girl on the third floor, girl on the 
the one CM Punk is in. Uh oh, for the uh, director. Yeah, Travis Steven. Because I never saw any of the other stuff. I've just seen Jacob's Wife. I okay. feel like I had tried to watch Girl on the Third Floor and eventually ended up not finishing it completely. But mm. I'm also a very casual movie watcher, so I'm not right. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just like that this 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 Jacob's Wife has is, is not only Barbara Crampton who is like a horror staple, but it's got Larry Fassenden in it. Yeah. Who is like uh, as even as like behind the scenes guy is like kind of a name that I'm like super pumped when I see. Yeah. And I think like there's a lot of these like horror movies now that like really try to like get your horror movie actors in there, even if it's just like to say that you do. Like I know I'm not the biggest fan of the Hatchet movies to be completely transparent, but Mm -hmm. I do appreciate that when you watch those movies, you see a ton of horror movie actors just showing up in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, nothing will uh, will beat the first movie in that series for oh, me for which is just, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean and the practical effects and the fact that uh it like their buchler effects like whew, there's yeah. so much that's good about that i can i can agree with you on that i think the first movie is the best i saw the crowley movie that came out last year which wasn't directed by adam green no it was bad, it was so bad. <laughs> i'm like oh boy I'm like maybe I'm just being too critical, but I'm like, no, I, I was not a fan of that movie. But um, <laughs> we should cover some Hatchet movies eventually. It'd be interesting to talk about them because uh, I think they definitely try to borrow a lot from the Friday the Thirteenth Wheelhouse uh, in a lot of ways. Even going so far as to cast Kane Hodder in that movie. So, um, the thousand dollar Kane Hodder. But <laughs> yeah. If you want uh, Kane Hodder on your podcast, you better dig into your budget because you better fucking pay for it. Yeah. Uh, any other performances that you guys liked? I know I mentioned Herbert West, but uh, David Gale, um, as creepy as fuck as he is, yeah, he's he makes a damn good villain. He does, mm. and uh, I mean. Yeah, uh, I mean the, the 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 table scene with Barbara Crampton is super divisive, uh, and, and harkens back to that nudie side of horror. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. But yeah, I mean, you got to you got to celebrate him for it. He got divorced for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and there was even just that scene where his character, Doctor Hill, I think, is talking to the dean. And just talking about how, oh, she deserves someone more accomplished, or I can't remember the exact wording of Mm -hmm. it. But just that conversation, too, you're like, oh, does she? What exactly are you insinuating with that? So throughout the whole movie, he's just also, you're never quite sure. Because, again, there's another character who's, you're kind of like, maybe he's the villain. So maybe this guy's just some creepy old dude. Especially with watching... um, some of the movies from like the eighties and a while ago, uh, th- there are a lot of sometimes the older gentlemen in films that you're like, Oh, he's saying something that's creepy, but this movie kind of makes it seem like it's all right. So you, you're never quite sure if that guy is actually going to turn out to be the villain or he's just saying creepy yet kind of acceptable things for the time, you know? Yeah. But yeah, from, from the, the get go, his character was really good. I think, I think he was on my list of best performance, uh, the Dr. Hill character. Yeah. 
hard to tell if he's like you know just a regular vanilla creep or one of these me too creeps hard to tell sometimes <laughs> yeah i mean most of the time they they end up being the same but yeah. you know in, in hollywood they they don't make it seem like that <laughs> no no um best kill in the movie uh hill yeah the, the yeah. shovel the one shovel. was my favorite yeah yeah the shovel is so good and like i said grizzly because like then you've got Oh, that scene is so creepy because you've got that kill and it's a great kill and it's super like like especially like the neck wound and everything so jaggedy and then on top of that you get the comedy of the head not standing up correctly in the tray <laughs> so then he has to put the the paper holder <laughs> through the bottom of the head it's fucking hilarious it, it's yeah. it goes from like this disturbing disgusting scene i mean he's gurgling when he dies like it's fucking weird right yeah. well and i'm pretty sure when he's killing him he yells plagiarist or something at him yeah. like he calls yeah. him out for plagiarism while he's cutting his head off with the shovel <laughs> like it's so absurd it yeah. is it's insane i i mean it that scene has to go down as one of the one of the most iconic scenes in in horror in the last 40 years because it's it, it's it's uh, rewatching it was just i don't know i like i i felt like a slack jaw just like in awe about that that scene it's it's so well constructed yeah mm -hmm. that's the thing about this movie like whatever they're going for in any given scene it feels very well made like yeah and i don't think this movie was that expensive for them to make if i'm not mistaken like I think they were just relatively really efficient with their budget, but it definitely looks like a movie that it's a lot more expensive than it probably is. So, uh, yeah, it only made two million in theaters. Yeah, how much? What did it cost to make? I wonder. That's what I'm looking up right now. Let's see, reanimated. Uh, nine hundred thousand to two million. And then it made two million. That's like a pretty big discrepancy. Like, hey, yeah, nine hundred thousand or two million. It was like, roughly nine hundred thousand or two million. I don't know. Like, where did that other one point one million come from? It's probably lawsuits. If I'm ever pitching a movie, I'm just gonna say I need about nine hundred thousand to two million dollars. I'm not quite sure though. Yeah, might as well make it two. Just round up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Best kill. I'd probably go with the shovel kill. It's. uh uh, also, a like shovels get used a lot in kills, but to have one used the way that it did, that was pretty unique. So I'll mm -hmm. give give some points for that. Uh, Taylor, did you say what your favorite kill was? Yeah, it definitely has to be the shovel. I did. I did um, think. I think at the end of the movie, the dean Meg's dad gets like ripped apart by zombies or something in like yeah. a silhouette, and yeah. I I kind of wished that that had gotten a little more attention because I thought that was pretty great. Yeah. But that nothing really tops the shovel kill for me in this one. No. Okay. Uh, dumbest decision. I went with hiring the security guard because he was not a great security guard. No. I mean, he was funny, sure, but like the, the a lot of these issues in this in this movie, you could probably just chalk up to just having a really bad security guard. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> he was there for a paycheck, and if that, like he was yeah. not good. Well, apparently he was there to jerk off in the closet or something, so not even there to do a job. Yeah. He was there for break time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It's hard to say what, like, dumb decisions... Like, there's part of me that wants to be like, oh, Dan should probably should have just left with Meg and they would have had a happy life. But I feel like his character motivation, like, once he finds out what Herbert West can do, like, he he want, he thinks it will actually do something. He thinks it will actually change the world or something like that. So I can't no. really say it was a dumb decision because his character made a good decision or, or a good decision for him, but... I don't know. Like, just being involved with any of this. If I was Meg, I'd be like, all right, bye, see ya. I'm getting out of here. This is way too much bullshit for me. Yeah, I, she she argues against him moving. In. Like, she is automatically like, no, he shouldn't move in. And they're like, uh, like, let's just give him a chance. And she's like, no, he's a fucking psycho creep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um,. Just because Dan has a little a little friend crush on him doesn't yep. mean that he's any less creepy. She's the voice of reason, but of course she's just a woman, so woman brain, smaller, inferior. It's interesting <laughs> that you say that though, because like I picked up a little differently. Like to me, because he get he gets in trouble early in the film, and it feels like he's almost on a bit of a redemptive arc for himself. Like he's trying to fix things a little bit. Is how I kind of read it a little at least like why he would be so willing to go along with herbert's things is it felt like almost like he was trying to prove something somewhat right mm-hmm. yeah well he was and and he was the what herbert west preys on is the fact that he had he um he wants to be uh, he found a, another person that wants to beat death you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. that 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 wants that doesn't want death to be the finality of everything and that's what he preys on as well yeah Okay. Also, also, I oh sorry, I have to bring up one thing that I thought was weird. Did you, the score of this movie, is oh. essentially Psycho. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so many of the like, like even the the intro, the whole, the entire intro, music is is feels like a, a cover song, uh, with little differences for Psycho. I noticed too. I don't know if there's more instances of this, but this movie's got a lot of soap opera actors in it. Um, like even like Barbara Crampton, she was in a lot of like soap operas and stuff. And like, yeah, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the IMDb, and I'm like, there's a lot of people that just showed up on soap operas. It's interesting because it almost feels soap opera esque, like very grandiose sure. and dramatic and larger than life. Uh, obviously not as bad as most, if not. It could all. have been an episode of General Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on General Hospital, Herbert uh, West shows up, starts reanimating all of our dead people. What will Meg do now that she's alive again? Yeah, no, it's just funny because it, it, like, looking at this movie and like looking at the performances, a lot of them definitely seem like they're kind of honing in on their expertise as like soap opera actors. Uh, and not in a bad way. It, it, I think it makes the movie sort of part of this like campy charm that what that's what makes it so fun and interesting to watch. Um, cool. I think it's time to rate this movie. What would you guys give this a score of? Um, it's a classic. Uh, I got to go with at least an eight. Um, just for, um, I believe that it's it's power and influence over the genre. Um, there are not many, there are not a a huge amount of horror movies that make such a great element out of the comedy to the point that you, it's blurred the line. Mm 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's just something so nasty and, and, and original about this one. And it's, I, it established Stuart Gordon yeah. uh, as, as one of the masters of horror and a guy that um, I'll always consider one of the best filmmakers within the genre. Mm-hmm. What about you, Taylor? What would you give us a score of? I feel like I'm in agreement with Steve on an eight. Um, there's just so much about it that's kind of like campy and funny, but also gory and gross. And I feel like that's kind of the perfect melding for horror at least in my opinion, of mm-hmm. what I enjoy. So, yeah, I, th- I feel like an eight. I mean, there were definitely parts where I was creeped out, and I was like, all right, the, whoever made this movie was horny as fuck when they made it, because there's a lot of tits. But other than, like, that's just kind of also older movies from the 80s, too. So, yeah. And it plays into the main character, um, or the not the main character, uh, the the actual bad guy of the movie, Dr. Hill. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, f- I feel like this also is one like there's just so much like especially knowing how highly regarded it is to other people and how much lore and how much story there is like that shit is my jam. So I'm definitely going to delve back into it and do a rewatch of this at some point. Nice. Uh, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. I think in terms of being like an effects movie and being like a horror comedy, it's one of the best ones out there. Uh, it it really does aim to be like a particular type of movie and I can't uh, take away any points from it doing so because it does so in a way that's both effective, but also really inventive and interesting. And I, I just don't think a movie like this really exists anymore. Like I, I think some filmmakers try, but there's no way you can just get that level of charm and camp that like is so perfectly balanced in this. I think, like, my, my only complaint really is that it does seem like, yeah, at times some of the stuff is just a little too much. Like, the whole head eating out somebody is just like, okay, this is cool and funny and weird, but also, like, yeah, it hasn't really quite aged as well as it probably could have. Wouldn't so. get made now. Oh, for sure. 100% wouldn't get made. It would That would be on the cutting room floor. If you had a decapitated head eating someone out, it would be gone in like half a second it'd be it's a fucking <laughs> shocker i don't even i i yeah it's and, and it's weird because other studios have done uh fucked up things as well i mean high life claire denis had a fuck box like there <laughs> there there is i'll always bring that up as as an example of like you can do anything but there are still <laughs> things that are really fucking hard to uh to to put across to producers to financers to studios yeah um uh, again, I, I, I always will kind of make an exception for A24 that's just kind of like, come over here and see what we got. A24 you know, so. seems the most like flexible in terms of like yeah. the ideas flow, but even they seem like they would not let some of this shit fly. Well, like, well cause it's because the scene's applying to rape. Yeah. Right, and that's and that's what's that's was what will always be the stickier line, and I, you know, I I am grateful that that is a stickier line, yeah. especially now, um, but yeah, it, it it could I guess could be limiting in in some sense. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, well, Steve, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I am on uh, Twitter and Instagram at the Steve Dead. Uh, my website stevestebbing.ca, and you can hear me every week on uh, the Shift with Shane Hewitt Thursdays at 11 p.m. Pacific time. 
uh, across Canada and online through whatever chorus stations in the area. And um, I got something coming on my website soon. I'm actually in the process of putting it together this weekend. So that's going to be starting. Fun. Yeah. All right. Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, mostly on, I have a blog, home. No, wait. Circeanic.home.blog. I always fuck that up. Um, and I have social media, Twitter, and Instagram. My username is also Circeanic. Um, I do have another podcast project that I do for fun with my friend who is a streamer on Twitch. Uh, her name is Flog, P-H-L-O-G. I cannot speak today. Um, we have another episode that will be coming out at some point, but we've completely gotten rid of our schedule and we're just going to do all of this very casually. So at some point there'll be another fun episode coming out of our podcast, which is called Kryptonics. Nice. Uh, and that's pretty much all I have going on right now. Fun. Uh, and then I'm over at threegreeners.com where I have a interview with Ben Wheatley coming up about his new movie in the earth, which I mean, in the earth, good movie. I didn't think it was like, the greatest but talking to ben wheatley that was a, an experience of a lifetime so excited for that to go up uh he also pitched me his idea for a saw movie and it's got to be the funniest thing i've heard in a long time so check that <laughs> out um yeah and then i'm over on twitter at film critic kurt i'm on letterbox fatal koala and uh yeah until next time everybody bye for now